0: Uh, we have a long reading this morning, uh, so, so bear with us. It's a story that uh, we have at this time of year, and Skye and Elsa are going to read to us.
1: Today's first reading comes from Luke, chapter 1, verses 1 to 25. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been ful- fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of Lord's command and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah division was on duty and he was serving a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son." to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and to the disobedient, to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, and wondering why he was taking so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this... His wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Today's second reading comes from Luke chapter 1 verses
2: 57 to 66. The birth of John the Baptist. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is going to be called John. The They said to her, there was no one one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue was set free. And he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and... Throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all of these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him.
0: So as we come to this Advent season, we're going to think about what it means that Jesus is Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Today we're going to see that uh, God with us brings hope. Next week, we see that God with us brings peace. Week three it shows that God with us brings love. And week four reminds us that God with us brings joy. So today, God with us brings hope. There was uh, a, a pair of, of friends. They were Uh, Fishermen, commercial fishermen In the summer of 2017 John Aldridge and Anthony Sosinski Set out to fish From uh, Montauk in Long Island They were about 40 miles offshore And Anthony was sleeping below deck While John started to get everything ready And he pulled a lever And it was stiff So he was really pulling on the lever And it broke And he staggered backwards off the boat and into the water. But the boat was on autopilot. So it just kept disappearing into the distance. So there is John. Gets up to the surface again, screaming for help. But knowing that nobody could hear him. So he watched the boats disappear. He's alone, treading water in the middle of the Atlantic, without a life vest, thinking that this is how he was going to die. And actually, that's why lots of fishermen never learned to swim. Because if you're out in the middle of the ocean, well, what's the point of being able to swim? Because you're never going to make it back anyway. While he was trying to calm down he realised that his boots actually were quite buoyant. And so he took one off and he emptied it out and he stuck it in the water and realised that the air trapped inside kind of kept him afloat. So he did both boots and he stuck them under his arms and that kept him afloat for a while. A flicker of hope. He thought about his family and the fact that no one anywhere knew even that he was missing, let alone in the water. So he tried to set goals and the first one was Just get through the night. Make it until the morning. A few hours later, Anthony woke up, realized that John was gone. He called the Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard said, well, you know, in all of that ocean, the chances of finding this guy, you know, slim. On the boat, he found uh, the broken handle. So he had a kind of idea what John was doing and, and began to kind of think back in time. And began to work out where he might have gone into the water. Well, he did make it to morning. But the hours passed and passed. And finally, he spotted a fishing boy. It was an enormous thing. He thought, if I can get to the boy, I can at least be out of the water. So he swam towards the boy. A new surge of hope. And then, less than an hour later, a Coast Guard helicopter flew past the boy and saw him shouting and screaming and waving from this boy. He survived. I suspect if I was out there bombing about in the water, I would probably have given up hope because I'm rubbish at swimming and I probably would have had the wrong wellies. But hope, even that that slender possibility of survival, gives hope. Hope is the whisper that maybe, just maybe, these boots will float if I turn them upside down. For some, hope is the first candle to be lit when the power goes out in the storm. Or maybe if you're living in Ukraine, it's that lighting of the candle when it goes dark. Because there's no power. Hope is the first day you wake up and can breathe again after an awful cold. Hope is the percentage that you do have of beating cancer. Hope is the faint line on the stick when you've been struggling to get pregnant. It's the first ray of sunshine through your window after a a dreadful, difficult night. It's the hearing of the words, he's going to be okay. Hope is that flicker of maybe, just maybe. Hope is the fuel of faith. And dreams and hope is what we celebrate on this day and during Advent. And so then entering Advent is the season of hope. That's what Advent is. The word Advent means coming or arrival. And the season is marked by expectation, waiting, anticipation and longing. It's not just an extension of Christmas. It's a season that links the past, the present and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in that ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, obviously, yes, but to be alert also for his coming again. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus' coming at Bethlehem, but at the same time looks forward in hopeful and eager anticipation of the coming of his kingdom when he returns for his people. But as has been said already, it's a season that is often marked just by being busy all the time. And so this advert, I want to encourage you to take an opportunity to set aside some time each day to think about hope, where it comes from, where you find it, to think about Jesus and what he brings to the world. To place our focus on a a story that is far greater than our own, the story of God's redeeming love for the world. It's not a season of pretending or covering over. It's a season of digging deep into the reality of what it means that God sent His Son into the world. Emmanuel, God with us. It's a season of expectation and preparation, an opportunity to align ourselves with God's presence rather than the world's presence. It's a long journey of hope. That's the way God's been working throughout history. You see, back in the beginning, and the way God intended his creation, he walked freely and openly with with, with people. They, they, They were with him and he was with them, and that's the way it was meant to be. But we know that people choose To be disobedient and sin enters the world and that separates human beings from God and we see the result of that today in our own time in the world but since that time I hope you realize that God has been working towards restoration and healing and wholeness for us and for all that he has made that's the overarching story of the Bible Throughout it, we can see God making a way and giving and reminding his people of hope that he is still at work in the world. We see it in God's covenant with Abram. And he said in Genesis 12, three, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then when God encountered Jacob at Bethel, he renewed that covenant and reinforced that hope that was rooted in his faithfulness. I'll not leave you until I've done what I promised you. He says in Genesis 28 15. But time passed. Years, generations, centuries. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty impatient. Most of us kind of are. And so you got that cry coming from God's people How long? How long, God? From the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through David, Elijah and Elisha, Isaiah and Jeremiah, and many other prophets, there was that repeated uh, cycle of devotion to God and then neglect of God. There was prosperity and there was recession, feast and literal famine, pleasure and pain. The Hebrews, it weren't much different from us. When things were good, they tended to forget about God. And when things got bad, that's when they called out to him again. But through all of that history, there was a deep and an ongoing longing for God to fulfill his covenant and his promise of a Messiah. The one who would come to put everything right. It wasn't just a happy idea that drifted in and out of the Israelites' consciousness and culture. It was perhaps even their deepest hope. It was a hope that sustained them. It was a hope that kept them going encouraged them, spurred them on all through that time of waiting. In the midst of that long journey of hope, Isaiah, I suppose, would be what Bible scholars call a major prophet. He wrote a lot and he taught a lot and he played a prominent uh, role in the public life of Israel. He would have been a a pretty well-known guy in his day, though not always popular because he told them what God was telling them God didn't like the way they were doing things and he told them that an enemy was coming to take them into captivity. But you might say Isaiah is the poster prophet for Advent, the season of longing and expecting. Isaiah was a voice of hope. He lived 700 years before Jesus, but he gave us amazing words that we read at this time of the year that ring with hope for the coming Messiah. Isaiah 7, 14. "'Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. "'The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son "'and will call him Immanuel.'" Isaiah 9, 1 and 2, "'Nevertheless,' he says, "'there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. "'In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun "'and the land of Naphtali, "'but in the future he will honour Galilee of the nations "'by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. "'The people walking in darkness have seen a great light.'" On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And later in that same chapter, Isaiah chapter 9, he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there'll be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Can you imagine living in those days and hearing these words from a prophet, from one who is speaking the words of God? I don't know that Isaiah would have understood it all. Perhaps on some level uh, he, he may have done But he also knew that God's work stretches from generation to generation. It's not an instant work. But he was filled with hope. And God's promises fueled him and his people to continue to hope through the years. And his vision of God with us still fuels hope in people today. Thousands of years later. And in the reading today, we had Zechariah. He would have been well acquainted with the words of Isaiah. He was a priest. Luke described him as righteous and blameless. He was a good Jewish boy, a follower of God, and a spiritual leader to his people. And he would have had those same deep longings of hope that Messiah one day would come. And so, imagine when you're just going about your everyday business, and an angel appears. It's been 400 years since Israel had a clear prophetic voice and a clear message from God. 400 years. That's quite a lot of waiting. So when Gabriel shows up and says to Zechariah, you're going to have a son And that son will go on before the Lord and the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He knew the significance of those words. He knew the prophecies of the Messiah. And he knew that this was a miraculous occurrence. Because as we read, they were too old to have children. They hadn't had any and now they were too old. So this was a really big deal. But he would have known his history that in the past God had given children to people who were too old. You can imagine the stigma in those days. Oh, aye, Zechariah and Elizabeth. uh, Well, you know, something not right there. Yeah, they never had children. Well, the shame. Good people, but well, do you know? So when they get this message, he's a little bit in shock. And he couldn't quite go over this part about his wife and him having this child. But they have the child. In God's time. God stirs things up and changes eternity forever. Hope in Israel was alive again. Hope and earth at its deepest levels was alive again. And maybe you're thinking, oh, that's nice. That's great for them. For those people thousands of years ago. But what about for us? What about for me? They weren't dealing with cancer. Their father didn't walk out on them. Their mother wasn't an alcoholic. They didn't lose their job with no warning, with bills to pay and debts stacking up. They weren't worried about how they were going to heat the house at Christmas. And... And buy presents for children. Never mind putting food on the table. It's okay for them. No matter what kind of problem and struggle you're facing right now. No matter what kind of season of darkness and pain you're in. I want to encourage you to to not give up on God. And not give up on hope. Hope is still alive even in our deepest pain and most hopeless circumstances. Hope is alive because God is with us. How do we know? How can we find that tiny spark of hope when we're on the verge of giving up? Well, I think there are very quickly there are three ways. The first was that we base our hope on God's Word. Part of God with us is that written Word that He's left us, the Bible. These are His promises to His people long ago and today. They're a piece of Him. They're beacons of hope. They're reminders that can penetrate our hearts and spirits and assure us that no matter what, God is with us. No matter how bleak tomorrow looks, God is with us. From Psalm 139, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, well, even the darkness will not be dark to you. And the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. There is hope in those words. You're not alone. God is with you. And nothing can take that away. The Bible is filled with stories and words and promises that can rekindle that supernatural hope in us. And as we move through Advent, I want to encourage you to dig into the words of the Bible. So, uh, as was said, there is an Advent uh, reading plan that um, Fiona Kennedy is doing. uh, And uh, the newsletter has a way of uh, getting into that. That's a good thing to do, just to read uh, during that. And then uh, Fiona's going to lead discussions on it. Secondly, hope is based on God's character. The second way we can rekindle hope is to put our focus on God's character, on who he is, and what uh, the promises he has made to us. There's a story told in the book of Mark. Uh, it's about a woman who we don't even know her name or never told her name. And, and she has had a problem with bleeding uh, for years. And no one's been able to help her. And she says to herself, if I can even just touch Jesus' cloak, that, that would be enough. And she pushes her way through the crowds and she touches his cloak and instantly she is healed. The hope that she had is fulfilled in that action. And Jesus then says, hang on a minute, who touched me? And everybody goes, hang, there's there's hundreds of people around about you. What do you mean who touched you? And he said, no, no, there's something different going on here. And so this woman said, "Ah, it was me and she explains the story. Jesus connected with her. He connected directly with her as God with us. She was healed and she found freedom and peace through that encounter. And that's her hope. That's the character of God. Jesus is worthy. He was and still is God with us. He fulfilled Israel's hope for the Messiah when he arrived on that first Christmas. He fulfilled humanity's hope for victory over death when he rose from the dead on that first Easter. And one day he will come back and fulfill all hope and complete God's work of restoration for all of creation. And then lastly, hope is based on God's faithfulness. How has God worked in your life? Sometimes it's only when we stop, as Julie did this week, and look back that we see that God has been at work in our lives. What are those moments and memories when you've experienced God at work? You know those times when you, uh, kind of wonder, is he there? Is he not there? What's going on? I don't really understand maybe that's been recently, maybe it's been a long time ago, but in those circumstances swirling around you, you realise that actually God was there all along. He was at work all along. And what does that have to do with hope? Well, in those memories, you can say, if God was with me then, why would he not keep his promise to be with me now? And why would he not keep his promise to be with me tomorrow? Because that's his character. That's who he is. Gratitude breeds hope. Thankfulness fosters hope. Acknowledgement and appreciation bring hope. Here are some words from Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Did you get the very beginning? Yet this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Jeremiah understood that there is hope for the future when we remember what God has done in the past. He knew that hope sparks like a fire. It flows like water. It grows like a seed. Hope grows and spreads like a living thing. It can dwindle and wane. Yes, of course it can. But it can also revive and be flourishing. It can multiply. Focusing on gratitude can renew and grow our hope. Recognizing and appreciating the good that God has shown us in the past can increase our hope for all that he will do in the future. And sharing that gratitude and hope with those who love and support us can multiply its effects into the community. And so as we nurture this living hope, it can sustain not just us, but friends and colleagues, family, through dark days, as we wait for God to move. Amen.